Welcome back to the Archives podcast for another installment of Second Half, our new series that puts Old Town School folks and their stories center stage. On today's episode, we bring you a conversation between two people whose names you might be familiar with if you know much about early British punk or the Chicago alt-country scene. John Langford and Sally Timms of the Mekons and countless other projects have been part of the Old Town School community in a myriad of ways since the 1990s. In 2016, Langford was honored as a music legend by the school. A few months later, I recorded this conversation between the two friends and longtime bandmates who talked about some of their experiences at the school and reflected on what keeps them coming back. Bill Fox ran out on a chilly night, played to the moon for to give him life, but he'd many, many miles to go that night before he reached the town hall. Town hall, town hall, many, many miles to go that night before he reached the town hall. We've known each other a very long time. We have. We met in Leeds when we were both, well, I don't know if I was, you were a student, I think I'd, I was a student. I dropped out at that point to form, um, to actually, we formed the band, but we had a band called the Mekons, which we still have to this very day. But I was uh, an art student, and everybody else in the Mekons encouraged me to drop out of college and sign to a major record label, and we signed to Virgin Records in 1979. And around that time, your cousin was at college with my girlfriend. Yes, she was in the halls of residence, That's actually. Right. And we used to go to the pub, and then Sally used to come and be in the pub, and we'd think, who's this woman? <laughs> and then she moved into a flat with me, and a skinhead poet, and some various road crew from the Gang of Four, and other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then slowly I joined the Mekons. Yes. We started as a punk band. We didn't yeah. have any ideas about folk music particularly. I think we just thought that was the sort of music that you're supposed to get rid of. And that we wouldn't, you know, that would be gone. And it was a lot of hey, nonny, knows and people skipping around and yeah, but a we, maple. We weren't interested in folk music at all, really. And then we were just interested in the moment with punk rock. It seemed like a moment where you made your own rules. And then we kind of got into more experiment, noisy sort of stuff. I mean, our, the basis of the Mekons was a band that couldn't play at all. So it was a kind of anti-technique thing because we thought virtuosity was like the enemy. And it kind of was. I still think that, actually. People who play too many notes and have nothing to say are very boring. But after a while, I mean, for us, the folk tradition kind of crept up on us because we found a studio in the Yellow Pages at the very end of our time with Virgin Records. And it was it was Bill Leader's Leader Sound uh, in uh, Elland, just by Halifax in Yorkshire. And we booked it because it was cheap and we went out there and we had no idea. But this guy was like the Alan Lomax of the British folk scene. He recorded... Bert Yance's first album, he recorded all these amazing people. He had his own label called Tractor. And there was boxes of tapes in his basement. And we, we just went in there and were just kind of experimenting and trying to do demos for a new new album. We ended up making the whole album there. And his engineer, he says, I tell you, you need John Gill. You should get John to come. Because he's worked with the se- have you Sex Pistols. Have you heard of the Sex Pistols? We've gone, yes, we've heard of the Sex Pistols. <laughs> well, he worked with them. I think he'd be more up your street. And so John Gill turned up. And we ended up making an album in the context of traditional English folk music. And, you know, clunk, he would turn the machine off. And we would sit and talk with him and Bill Leader about the history of British folk music. And we came out of that experience like it wasn't year zero, like actually maybe what we did was part of a bigger tradition and maybe punk rock was part of this oral tradition and folk tradition where 
people, people who couldn't necessarily play very well but yeah, play exactly. to entertain their friends exactly and, and that was and talked about know, and talked about uh, their real lives you right know? and that's why we got into country music as well because uh, mate terry nelson a dj from chicago said to us you're like a country and western band I said, why he says because all your songs are like two chords and they're about drinking in bars and failed sexual relationships and we we're like oh that's and then we played us some country music. We're going, oh, I like country music now. I get it. Yep. Yeah. Some real country music. Yeah, the real stuff. He grabbed the grey goose by the neck, threw her up across his back. He didn't mind that quack, 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 and the legs all dangling down, oh, down, oh, down, oh. He didn't mind that quack, 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 and the legs all dangling down, oh. And then we all end up in Chicago for reasons more complicated than yes, can be you explained. You moved here first. You moved to Chicago and I didn't know anything about the, uh, the the Old Town School of Folk Music, I have to say, when I moved to Chicago. It became something that was explained to me. You brought me here to the old location. I think I went with On you to see, yeah, to see Alejandro. Oh, that's and the first time. And that was time. the first time we went. Yeah. And I, but I, that I, night we met Colleen Miller when we went. Alejandro got me up to, you know, we had this thing whenever I went to see him, he'd get me up and sing a song with him. I remember we did a Jimmy Rogers song and... Uh, and I didn't know the words, and Alejandro was appalled that I wouldn't know the words to every Jimmy, Jimmy Rogers song. But Colleen Miller came up to me afterwards and said, "Oh, you're John Langford from the Mekons. I'm a big fan. I'd never met, I'd never met her before." And she said, "We're opening a new building. You must come and play the new building." And I was like, "What would I? What would I do there?" And Make a horrible racket. Because I'd never performed yes. like just on my own with an acoustic guitar or anything but she encouraged me to do that so I actually went to the different strummer I went no I went to the opening the opening did you go to the opening no I don't think so it was fantastic it was an amazing night um Colleen asked me to come and play one of the they had Guy Clark playing sort of weeks later she said would I open for him and I didn't I'd never performed on my own with just a guitar so I got my mate John Rice but we opened for Guy Clark and I went to the different strummer kind of two weeks before and bought a really nice Martin guitar because I thought, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to look look the part at least. And uh, I, I buy all my guitars at the different strummer now. <laughs> I have to say I endorse that store. <laughs> That's why I like to do my shopping, and I bought some very nice instruments there. You get your there. groceries from there's there. No groceries. They don't sell groceries. <laughs> if they sold groceries in the different strummer, I would buy my groceries in there. So we played with... Um the Wee Hairy Beasties have played here. We did a children's show here. Quite a successful one, I believe. Oh, no, that's the thing. I tell you what, that was the, that was the thing they did, Wiggle Worm Dads. Right. And that's kind of how I started doing kids' children's music. things. Because that yeah. was like a, a total, one of the most out-of-control gigs I've ever done in my life. with The, the Wiggle Worm Dads. The first one with me, Jeff Tweedy, and Tim Rutilli. But we, yes. uh, we did a kids' gig here with the Wee Heavy Beasties, which mm -hmm. was... It was a Halloween one, wasn't it? Because weren't we yeah. all dressed as... I was dressed as a witch. I think, well, you are yeah. a witch. You didn't have to dress as a witch. <laughs> Why would anyone know? <laughs> I mean, if I am a witch, then it doesn't really matter what I wear. I was more obviously dressed as a witch. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. more witchy yeah. than yes. normal. We had a lot of friends who worked here. I mean, it's given a lot of yeah. working opportunities to musicians. But I used to love the... Um, festival when it was done in the park i know they can't do it there anymore but that was just one of my favorite uh chicago festivals just 
comfortable. Everyone took picnics. It was really family friendly. And at the same time, it had great, great music, really, really good bands. And well, it wasn't so like a folk festival. It was like no. a folk festival to me was like a lot of people sitting around with acoustic guitars, kind right. of moaning about how terrible their lives were. And it was a, it was a lot of good reggae bands there. It was it was great. There were the the lineups were always great. It still is, but I used to love the fact that you could yeah. sit on the grass with your picnic and just do your thing. And uh, that was a real high point. The remembering that festival actually. Which Kevin. year did we just play it then? With I can't remember that. There was a year we played it with uh, the Mekons, Richard Thompson, and uh, Patty Smith, and that was quite a, quite an exciting year. But my kids were very little then, and they were all in wiggle worms as well. So it was like, oh, we, we were quite embroiled with the old town screen right. at that time, I would say. Well, old mother flipper flopper jumped out of bed. She ran to the window and then she said, John, John, the gray goose is gone. The foxy's on the town, oh, town, oh, town, oh. John, John, the gray goose is gone, and the foxy's on the town, oh. We've been involved in many ways because we played, we've... I've taken classes, but then I've seen so many bands play here. I, even though I didn't go there very much, I did love the Armitage location as a venue. I thought that was a really cool room. Mm -hmm. So it's been, over the years, a real amazing kind of resource for being able to see world music or well, that's when that, folk I, music. That, that project with uh, the, the uh, moratorium against the death penalty making that album... That was actually here that Steve Steve Earl was teaching you at the time, and he did an anti-death penalty benefit, and he had the Waco Brothers open for him. And afterwards, he says, "Now you got to make an album," and he sort of told me to do it. So that was that was here as well. And he, you know, it was great because he said he'd he'd be on it. So just the fact that he was on it was was really good. It was but it is an amazing community resource. So the idea, I don't know anywhere else that has something like this where. No, there's a school and a venue, and it's so been for so long tied into the kind of the fabric of the city. So it's it's really interesting. You know, a lot of places like this are usually run by the state, which is fine, but this is not. It's it's just I mean it's this growth out of something that was just people gathering around. Well, its roots play. are in a very, yeah. you know, it's a very left-wing right, tradition. The folk right. revival is explicitly a left-wing thing. It was in Britain and it was over here. And that's why, you know, it interests me. I came to America and was quite shocked at the lack of any, uh, there, were, there were no kind of milestones for me. And in Wales, where I grew up, it was trade unions and, you know, socialist was kind of normal. And over here, it seemed like, you know, when I moved over here, everything had... I'd shifted right off the political map. I felt like I would, this country was so far to the right of what I was used to. But then you had something like this is a real anchor mm -hmm. of an amazing, you know, tradition. The fact that they've let, got it to grow and move into a big new building and then build another big new building and have classes and things running in the way they have is uh, very encouraging to me. I just see it as an alternative to crap culture in America. You're right. You know, America's actually, you know, I was listening to a thing today on the radio and they were talking about, it completely shocked me to my core that 
interracial marriage was illegal till 1967 in Virginia where the Supreme Court overturned it. And it's like, this country's just like, they talk about freedom, it's only ever been freedom for white people. And it's just a, I don't know, it just really makes me angry and I, I love it here and I, I seek things here that are actually real and actually mean something. I think, you know. Well, it's complex. Cause it's it, the old town school of folk music. Yeah. It, it produces amazing you know, things and it produces hideous things. Yeah. You know, what folk music was used for originally was a type of resistance to that. You know, you think of people like Studs Terkel telling stories, real stories about what what really happens in America and what people's lives are like. And that's what I'm attracted to in folk music and country music. And, you know, it's an antidote to the stream of crap they expect us to swallow, so. Well, one thing it's like, it is, people are doing things as opposed to just passively like, receiving entertainment. So, you know, you can come and watch a show, but you can come and learn something. They're also, employing a lot of musicians which is a pretty great thing you know and plenty of our friends work here and make a living here which is quite difficult to you know it's quite hard for musicians to make money it it gives back in that respect and I I don't know I think it you know I've always felt really connected with the people who worked here you know there was Colleen here with friends other friends who worked here Sarah Dandellas worked here and Alyssa took over and she's great and Scott's here. So the people we know who work here, I feel like I have a really nice connection with and that matters. I don't know, you know, a lot of the people who work here, but whenever you walk in, people always greet you nicely and, you know, it has a welcoming feel to it. Long may she continue. Long may she reign. on the archives, we'll rebroadcast our third episode of last season's documentary on the school's history in celebration of the 50th anniversary of the 909 West Armitage location this year. Tune in on Thursday, December 20th to hear stories from Eddie Holstein, Jimmy Tomasello, Judy Hoff, and more from the earliest years on Armitage. The interview you just listened to between John Langford and Sally Timms was recorded in 2017 as part of our partnership with StoryCorps. The music you heard comes from the audio archive of the Resource Center at the Old Town School of Folk Music. See the episode notes for more details. And go to oldtownschool.org slash storycore to hear more stories. That's spelled S-T-O-R-Y-C-O-R-P-S. There you can also learn how to share your own story as part of our ongoing oral history project. Subscribe to the archives on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook at Old Town School Archives, where we regularly share photos, documents, and audio from our collection. And hey, did you like this episode? Tell us what you thought by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, I'm your host, Marie Valindo. Thank you for listening. Sometime how to blues a little bit, baby. That's the glory of love.